0: Exodus chapter 33, Grace, Glory and Goodness part 2. If you missed part 1, you can download it or ask for a copy and we'll try and get you a copy as soon as possible and we'll try and tie these in a little for you so we understand where we're coming from this evening. Exodus chapter 33. Beginning to read in verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he saith unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face. For there shall no man see me and live And the Lord said behold there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock and I shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by and I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts but my face shall not be seen wonderful portion of scripture God's own word but let's just by. before we go any further in a word of prayer. Father will you reveal unto us the things you would have said to our lives and will you reveal unto us your son the Lord Jesus Christ help us to see him help us to know him help those Lord that have come in here with Lord, things that would distract them upon their minds to, Lord, be able to put them to the side and see the Christ of God. Lord, we love you this evening and worship you. And as we've been singing, you are good. You are good. And your love endures. Thank you for your enduring love. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you for redemption and salvation This very evening. So Lord speak to hearts and lives we pray. And glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen. Last week we looked at how Moses reiterates. How Moses speaks back the promise or the word which God had told him. Of course to do that is to glorify God but we also looked at how when we say but Lord you said it is you and I then in our own insecurities at times through our times of weakness and times of faltering. It is the Christians time when they say Lord you have said I'm standing on your promises that we are feeling the insecurity in ourselves but knowing we can reiterate God's word back to him that God keeps his covenants and his promises and that almighty God will never let his word return unto him void. Moses says, Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. In other words, Moses is saying, Lord, we are at a place here in Israel. We are at a place in our community We are at a place in our lifestyle when something has happened. When something, Lord, that we have done and drifted from you has happened badly in our nation. We have turned our back from you. We have backslidden away from you. Lord, we have failed you. We have fallen. We have let you down. Lord, but you have said we have found grace in your sight. We looked at the word grace here last week where the word grace is really unmerited favor. It means to receive something that we do not deserve. We never deserve God to give his son to die for us. We didn't deserve that he would bleed on the cross to to redeem us. We didn't deserve that he would go to a tomb. to an, An empty grave would be left behind him at his resurrection. We didn't deserve justification or sanctification of his spirit. We didn't deserve anything that God's riches and God's bounty could afford. But in grace and mercy he looked upon us and he sent his son to die for us. See we didn't deserve it. And the man and the woman, as we mentioned last week, who says that they deserve it, or the man and the woman who try to merit it by their own actions and by their own deeds, find themselves coming far short of the glory of God, and they remain in a lost and sinful condition. If you think that you're going to make yourself better and good enough for the kingdom, You have fallen short of the glory of God. And if you and I were to say in one occasion that by thus or by this I have been able to enter heaven other than the blood of Jesus. Then you and I have fallen far short of the glory of God and you and I we have fallen from grace. You always think that falling from grace is when a believer has went into the world. We understand the term that that means. We understand the import of that. That, that they have went into the worldly things and they have turned their back on God. They have fallen from grace. But really, when you are fallen from grace, it means that you are attributing something to your salvation. It is all of Him, Completely, totally and utterly. All of him. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Here, unmerited favor. To receive something we do not deserve. And of course, we looked at the Hebrew word. The root word is the root word konan, Gives the idea of one bowing down or stooping down in kindness to an inferior. That's grace. Not one bowing down and stooping down in wrath to the inferior. For God would be justified. Now let me say it again. God would be justified. I say that because people tend to think that God is obligated to let them into the kingdom. But God would be justified and he is under no obligation to let one man or woman into the kingdom of God. Unless they be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless they come under the blood of the Lamb. God is not obligated to you sir. God is not obligated to you lady. For if you are not under the blood you will not be in the kingdom. Here we have grace. People say why would God let people go to a lost eternity? Why would God let such and such go to hell as people would term it? Friend, let me say this. Men and women who hear the gospel and reject the Christ of glory, those men and women are not saved. And those men and women have rejected Christ first. Will you reject him tonight? What if it was your turn? And what if God's spirit ceased to strive with you? Here we have graces that God bows down and stoops down in kindness. Not in wrath, but in kindness. Tonight, you're under the kindness of God. Tonight, God has brought you here. Well, someone asked me to come and I came along or... Maybe you've got a lift along the road and decided to come in and maybe someone's been at you for a long time and you just came to keep them quiet. Nevertheless, God has brought you here to hear this night, to hear this message, to hear this word that God tonight is stooping down in kindness to you through his spirit, showing you the Christ of glory, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world that you may come under the fountain of blood and be saved boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth this is grace upon you tonight God in his grace has brought you here God in his grace has given you this opportunity to come under the sound of his word God in his grace is bowing and stooping down in kindness to you tonight sir To you tonight, lady, God has given you this opportunity to get right with him before it's too late. Will you come to Christ tonight? Will you come to him and trust solely and fully, utterly and completely and uniquely in the Son of God? He shed his blood that you may be redeemed. That you may be cleansed. Grace is one bow, or stooping down in kindness to an inferior. That is the Old Testament or the Hebrew term here. Moses says, Lord you said, I know thee by name. God knows you. Did you hear that? God knows you. He knows your name calls your name my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me jesus said he knows you by name moses says lord if we have found grace in your sight you've said that lord but we have let you down we have backslidden we have went into the world We have worshipped idols, oh God. What will we do with this people, Lord? And Moses said, but Lord, you said we have found grace. Is there any more hope with God? Is there another chance with the Lord? Maybe you're saying that tonight. Maybe that's the cry of your own heart. Oh, but God could never forgive me. After the things I've done, the places I've been, the things that I've said, wherever I've went, could there be grace left for me? Moses is saying this to Almighty God for Israel. And you know, when I think of this, I think of our nation. I see all the people round about, even our village, and I say, Lord, is there grace left for this people? Friend, you're under grace here tonight. The kindness and goodness of God. Will you receive it? Will you receive him? Moses says, Lord, we have found grace in your sight. Oh Lord, you're justified to consume us off the face of the earth. Friend, God is justified in consuming men and women off the face of the earth. God is righteous in all his ways and he is just. But God has you here to give you opportunity this time to get right with him. See how much he loves you. Grace means that we do not add to what God has done. Accepting Christ has died on the cross. Not getting our lives better. For we'll never get our lives good enough. We'll never get our lives better. We might make a a New Year's resolution. And uh, within a day, a week, an hour, a month. It's gone. It's forgotten about. But when you make your calling and your election sure. Then you can be sure of the kingdom of God. Salvation. And eternal life with our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is grace. I hope no one minds this, but let me tell you about grace tonight. Let me tell you a couple of instances of grace. And many of you would know these people, but there was a man, Paddy Fitzpatrick. Roman Catholic background. Came from the estate. Came to the church many a time here. Sat in the very back row. Listened to the word of God and went out the same way he came in. And Paddy had taken strokes, and and Paddy sat in an armchair, and, and, and he had he had went downhill in his health, and he asked for me to go and see him. And I went and I sat beside Patty and I says, "How are you, Paddy?" I would have visited him on a regular basis, told him about the Lord, and I says, "How are you, Paddy? Are you looking for me?" And he says, "Yes." I says, "What's wrong?" He says, "I'm a bad man." I says, you not that bad." He says, no, I can't live like this. Meaning, uh, I thought he meant I can't live in this physical condition after a stroke. I says, what do you mean, Paddy? He says, I am not right with God. So speaking to him the gospel about the Lord, I says, Paddy, you know, you can't go and rob doors and you can't go to Novena's and you know, Paddy, you can't go and do rosaries. You know, your, his hands were unable to move. And I says, Paddy, you can do nothing because you're sitting in this condition in your chair. I says, do you realize you must receive Christ by faith alone, trusting in the grace of God? Sitting in his armchair can still see it now. He looked at me as if with two heads and he says, I know, I listened to you enough when I came to the church in Donna Patty came to the Lord, was launched out into eternity a lot of months later. Grace. What about Harry McCartney? 1991, was he? Harry McCartney, his godly wife, and shutting the things of God. And one day, I go up to his bedside in the hospital, and I can see him agitated, and I can see him annoyed. And I could see things going round in his head, and and and, and Harry was really—he's all wound up like a tight spring. I sat at his bedside, talking to him about the Lord, and he says, "I said, I said, Harry, the Lord loves you, wants to save you." He says, and this was his words: "What even now? Even now, at ninety, ninety-one years of age, he says, even now." and I said even now Paddy even though your life has been for the things that you desired and walked along in your own course I says God loves you he came to Christ laying on his hospital bed and he seen the peace of God coming upon him and the tightly wound up spring unwound and he lay back on his bed with a gasp oh, with a relief and he says to me you can go home now Never feel used to. <laughs> you can go home now and I went home not long after that and Mary too see that's grace. lying on the bed, sitting in a chair or just two weeks ago my own sister lying on a hospital bed dying <clears throat> going to palm readers and doing those old soul spiritist things and all hearing the things of God and she goes out of her mind for a while because of the cancer went over her brain and, and all the poison in it and a, a little short space of time God give her her mental status back again and a man came and said unto her are you saved? she says no I'm not but I need the Lord and she got saved you see that's the grace of God and she went into eternity on the Monday That's grace. That's the sovereign grace of God. What about Debbie Steele? Down on his bed. And I walked up and his wife was at the foot of the bed and his, his daughter was there and they let me get up the side of the bed and I talked to him about diggers and all this sort of stuff. And I said, Debbie, are you saved? It's about a year ago. He said, are you saved? No. So now, time you started to think about getting right with the Saviour, and David turns around and he says, "I need the Lord, and I led him to Christ, and he got home for a short period of time." The brother, and mom walks in and says, "You're trusting in the Lord." He says, "I'm trusting in Him," and David was launched out into eternity. What about back it? Cancer threw her. She got the all clear. i seen her in the hospital. I says, Lizzie, the Lord has sent me to your hospital bed today to tell you you must get right with God. But I'm healed, I'm cured, I'm well with a good report, you said. I says, the Lord has told me you must get right with him. This is an opportunity of grace. Lizzie Baggett, she melted 30 years of going to church with her husband and unsaved. And she melted. She says, what was that? I says, the Holy Ghost is here. And grace found Nizzi Beckett. And she got saved. She came here for a few weeks. Took hell again. And she went into eternity. To be with the Lord. Now that's grace. That's how grace works. It's not on who you are or what you can do or tidy up your life. It's the grace of God. And notice they were a window of opportunity. That a man and a woman would get right with Christ. Even when they thought their life was perfect. (laughs) Maybe you think, well I'm alright Jack the way I am. (laughs) Maybe you think, well I'm okay. Preacher don't tell me I need to get right with God. Well that's alright but God has brought you here in his grace tonight to tell you you must be born again if you're not saved you will be launched out into eternity but will you be with Christ which is far better will you be in the kingdom of God Moses says Lord you said you know my name and Israel are your people have we found grace Lord or are you going to wipe us out the Lord says I have found grace in my sight but you see grace does not give you a license to sin grace gives you the strength not to sin for when you realize the grace of God in your life you love him all the more so here Moses is asking about the grace of God and reminding him God's people separated. That's what grace does. It makes you different. Separated unto Him. We looked last week at how, from Exodus 19, Israel are married unto Jehovah. Exodus 20, they have the Ten Commandments. By 23, the Lord talks about His angel whose name, he says, my name is in him, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice last week, I want to make sure you get this. Jesus is not an angel. He is not a created being. He is very God of very God. But here the Lord says, I will show myself unto you in a theophany that is called the angel of the Lord. Notice it's a capital A in the AV version so you'll know that it's of him. And that it is him. Here this one comes whose name was in him. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. And we're told that Israel were to listen unto him. By chapter 24 in the book of Exodus. We have a strange happening. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu and 70 elders go up the mountain. This is where we finished last week and. We're told they saw in verse 24 and verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet as it were a paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. Notice that. The body of heaven in his clearness. The word clearness here is a word tahar. It comes from a root word which means a body that was pure. A heavenly body that was bright. It gives the idea of something that is unadulterated. It gives the idea of something uncontaminated. Something in its purity and it is innocent. Notice these 70 elders with, with Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. They're halfway up this mountain and we're told it's sapphire stone. It becomes, it's a sky blue color and it becomes like a pavement. And this heavenly body, Comes walking down through the sky. Pavement. And it is clear. It is pure. It is unadulterated. It is innocent. Who is it? But the angel of the Lord. The word of the living God. He comes down and shows himself. In his glory and his splendor and beauty. He's bright and shining. Just like Matthew 17. On the Mount of Transfiguration. When Christ reveals himself with Moses and Elijah unto Peter, James and John. See the unadulterated. It is uncontaminated. shows the purity of our Lord. He was sinless and he was spotless, holy, harmless and undefiled. He separated from sinners. Yet he walked with them and he talked with them and he ate with them and he preached the word unto them, and he entered their homes and their houses, and and he had jovial times with them. And yet, were totally separate from sinners. In other words, he was uncontaminated by their sin until Calvary came, and he took the sin of all of Israel and all of the whole world upon him. And he that knew no sin became sin for us. That we being dead to sin might be made the righteousness of God in him. I am righteous in the sight of God this morning or this evening. You know why? Is it because of who I am? Absolutely not. God would be justified to cast me away were it not for the blood of Jesus. Well, friend, God would be justified to cast you away. If it's not for the blood of Jesus. (laughs) Thank you for the blood, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Here we have the Lord coming, showing himself in his unadulterated state from heaven to Moses. And that word becomes flesh, as we said, and dwells among us. And that word is full of grace and truth. We're told that word, the son of God hangs on a cross and bleeds and dies, goes to the grave, arises in the third day, ascends into heaven. Here is a picture of the coming of the Lord when he comes again in his splendor and his power and his glory. Here this heavenly body is unadulterated. It reminds me of the garden tomb in John chapter 20. Reminds me when they hear that that Mary Magdalene runs to the tomb and the Lord's gone and she tells Peter and John and they run to the tomb and Big Peter's running and John, being quicker and faster, runs past Peter but stops at the door of the tomb and Big Peter, bold as brass, runs right past John in the door to find an empty tomb. The linen cloths are folded where the head was and where the feet were and they leave the woman there. Mary Magdalene crying with grief says to two men, two angelic beings tell me where thou hast led him and I'll go and find him, I'll go and bring him back and she hears a voice woman why we thou? what are you crying for she turns around and thinks it's the gardener until she says, hears him say her name Mary a pathos Love, and that's how Christ calls you in your heart. John, David, Angela, Allison, Gary, Ruth. You hear the call in your heart. She turns around to see this wonderful figure. She says, Rambodai, meaning master. She sees the Christ of God. She goes to touch him. He says, touch me not. For I have not yet ascended unto my Father. He has now carried our sins away. Living he loved me, said the poet. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh glorious day, said the hymn writer. And here is that unadulterated, uncontaminated Son of God. And he says, Touch me not. For I have not yet ascended unto my Father. To my God and unto yours. Oh. Purity. And that clearness and purity is returning again. In the clouds of glory. When Christ breaks the sky. And we will be caught up. Here is a picture of Christ coming and his redeemed blood wise saints. Being caught up to meet him in the air. For as he is, so shall we be also. Unadulterated, innocent before God, and in all the purity of Christ and His righteousness upon us. Friend, are you there yet? Are you there yet? We're told, see in 32, chapter 32 of Exodus, Israel make a golden calf they worship their own heart's desire and you can worship your own heart's desire and you can worship it all your life but it's only for a moment in time for a blink of an eye but Christ is eternal heaven is eternal the kingdom of God is going to come to earth and we will rule and reign with him See these men that go up the mountain, Moses takes Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel. Why does the Lord not consume them in His presence? Why does He not consume them? See, the Lord says in verse 20 of Exodus, No man will see my face and live. But Lord, I've already talked with you face to face, I've seen you in the clearness in the mountain. What do you mean? I actually seen, believe it or not, I was just going uh, uh, through some things online and someone had actually started an argument over this and I wanted to get involved but I'm not that quick in typing so I decided not to bother or I wouldn't get it done. That No man would see him, Moses said, so Moses couldn't have talked with him face to face. Christ wouldn't return again and all these sort of things were going on And I just thought of this and says, Lord, why did you say no man will see my face and live? Yet Moses talks face to face. We're told that that there's many people who'd speak with you. Well, these men that went up the mountain were told that when Moses came down, first of all, to give them the commandments and settles them down to marry on to the Lord, we're told... That Moses takes the blood and he sprinkles it upon Israel. You are now under the blood. So when these men went up, there was no wrath of God. You know why? Because they were under the blood. How will you escape the wrath of God? Are you under the blood? That's the only protection they had for God recognizes the blood. Here these men go up. Moses and Joshua leads them a little further and go on further up still. And Moses hears the voice of God. By now when he comes down. Aaron who's seen him in his clearness and his purity and his unadulteratedness and Aaron comes down and, and forms a golden calf. How could he? Well here's a question for you. How could you? How could you? Remember the times God got you out of a scrape? Remember the prayers that he answered? you turned your back on him as quick as you looked at him Aaron done the same and now Moses stands before him and says Lord I found you said you know my name and I found grace in your sight remember the word found here Israel found, Moses found, and we looked at Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It gives the idea for something comes into existence. Doesn't mean they looked for God. No. They were dead to God. God sought them. Christ says, I am not come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this is what he said. I'm come to seek and to save that which was lost. Tony disciples to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth with the gospel. Men and women hearing the word of God, buying the need of Christ in grace and in mercy, God reached them through his eternal Holy Spirit. And those men and women recognize their window of grace, their opportunity to get right with God. Here we have these men who were elders, that is, elderly in the tribes. You know what it calls them in verse 11? It says, calls them the nobles of the children of Israel. He laid not his hand, the nobles. See, when you're under the blood and you're under God's grace and you realize that you're seated in heavenly places in Christ, you realize you may be a sinner saved by grace. Oh, you may be that. But you realize you're a child of the king. Child of God. Here, Moses goes in, in Exodus 33, asking the Lord, notice what he says in verse 13. Now therefore I pray thee if I have found grace in thy sight. Show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace. And they said, show me your west." How many of us have wanted to know why, oh Lord, why? I can't understand. Lord, why is this happening? Why is this going on in my life? Why is this being allowed? Are you not my father? Have I not found grace in your sight? Is it a wonder when Paul comes and says he besought the Lord thrice, For this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet him, lest he should be exalted above measure. He says he sought the Lord thrice, that the Lord would take it from him. And the Lord retorts back to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, the word grace there is the word charis or charis, depending how you want to pronounce it. But it gives the idea... Of the divine influence upon your heart. And it's reflection in your life. And the Lord says, listen, you're going through a hard time. A sorrowful time. A time of mourning. A time of grieving. A time of hurting. A time of trouble. A time of sickness. You're going through a time of financial problem. You're going through a desperate time. A terrible time. Oh, everywhere you look is a terrible time. A messenger of Satan has been given to you. The buffet too. No matter you turn to the left or to the right or whatever way you turn, you can't get a break and you seek the Lord and he says, my influence upon your heart will reflect in your life. Let God have influence upon your heart tonight. Let God have an influence upon your heart. Let his influence come into your life. Let his influence stir you up. Let his influence cause you to have love and compassion for all those around you, but especially for Christ himself. And let it reflect in your life. Moses says, do you know how the people will know that we are your people? Because you're with us. And do you know how people will know that you're a believer? Because they'll see the reflection in your life. They'll know God is with him. God is with her. He's a wonderful saviour, isn't he? Magnificent Lord. Better hurry up and round this up. Moses asked a request of the Lord. He asked to show him his ways. And when we can't trace, we must trust him. when we don't understand the Lord's ways, he reminds us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord, neither are my ways your ways. His ways are higher than our ways and sometimes we just need to bow the knee and leave it up to the sovereign will of Almighty God and he will sort it out. Did not the Lord Jesus say himself, I am the way, the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me? You see, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way you think, and you're right. There's a way you think you'll go, unbeliever. You think you'll live your life, and I'm going this way. Forget about God, but one day you'll stand before Almighty God. I will stand. This is your opportunity of grace. Notice what Moses says in verse 18. Exodus 33 and verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Now hold on a minute, Moses. Let's reverse back, Moses. You've seen the plagues of Egypt. Moses, you have seen the burning bush in the wilderness. Moses, you have seen the glorious hand of the Lord in the opening of the Red Sea. Now Moses, you have seen wonderful things. Moses you have seen the Lord give you the quail for meat and, and, and water out of a flinty rock and, and Moses you have seen how the Lord has laid you by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night you have seen the, the cloud of his presence even as we sang here tonight and then the glory fell with the glory cloud on the tabernacle Moses you have seen so much what else do you want? What are you waiting for friend? What else do you want? What do I want? What more do we want from him? To see his glory? You see when you look at someone's life who's been saved and redeemed and changed you're seeing the grace of God and as the old Puritan said grace is young glory. Now, Moses says, show me thy glory. Notice what the Lord says. And he said, I will make all my goodness. But Lord, I wanted to see your glory, not your goodness. I'll show you my goodness. Stay with me. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Here the Lord says to him, See, my glory, I'll show you my goodness. No, no, I'll see your glory. You see, the word here for glory is a Hebrew word, kavod. And it gives the idea of something with weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. Weight. Something in heaviness. You know what Moses was asking for? Moses wanted to see the great eternal God in his fullness, in his majesty. Moses wanted to see his wholeness and his completeness. Moses wanted to see the almighty God... And he wanted to feel, he wanted to sense the full weight of God on him. Do you realize what Moses was asking for? How can the finite understand the infinite? And how can the temporal take in the things that are eternal? And how can a speck of dust take in him and take the weight of him who holds the universe by the word of his power? The Lord says, Moses, I love you that much. I'm not going to give it to you, for I'll consume you. I'll consume you where you stand. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take you and show you how good I am to you. And maybe if you and I could think of how good our Lord is to us. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And count our blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Here he says, show me. And the Lord says, no I won't because I love you too much. You'll never take it. And he places him in the cleft of the rock. Covers him with his hand. And on the way by, he proclaims the name of the Lord. Now, it's not that he's just shouting Yahweh or Jehovah or Jesus on the way by. It gives the idea, Moses gets revelation from God and the person of God. Moses gets revelation standing in this cleft of the rock with the hand of God and as God goes by, he takes away his hand to see, as it were, God's back parts. You know, Kaiser's, Kaiser's commentary in, in Greek says, or sorry, in Hebrew says that the Lord takes away his hand and shows Moses the after effects of his radiant glory. Maybe you're going through something you don't understand. Maybe you're going through something and you've fallen out with God. And maybe you're going through something and you just can't get the grips with it and grasp it and you say I can't deal with this anymore unless you show me. You know maybe if the Lord showed you what he was going to do it would just consume you and you wouldn't be able to stand. But you know what he does? Just as that blind woman Fanny Crosby wrote He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. Or rivers of pleasure, I see. He takes away his hand when all is past. And God sorts out like a great big tapestry all our lives. And we see the back of the pattern but cannot grasp it or understand it. When he's finished and he turns it all around, we see the full picture. And we understand more. And we see how good he's been. That's his goodness. I finish with this, thank you for your attention you can hear a pin drop tonight listen to this Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said on these verses as God says to Moses notice, remember the words for grace What I said bowing and stooping listen to what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says I will stoop to your weakness I will let you see something but much more important than that I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. I will give you a deeper insight and understanding into myself, into my character, into what I am. This is what you really need to know.